Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Amen. Aren't you glad that our children are learning about our Father? Amen. And that they're worshiping Him. We're glad that you're here today. It's Father's Day, special day. Welcome to everyone, but especially all the men in the house. I hope you got your coffee and your donuts, and the women feel cheated, but that's all right. Uh, we'll take care of them next time, maybe, if they're good, between now and next Mother's Day. We'll see. We'll see. It just depends. You know, they're on probation, but we'll, no, <laughs> we, we, we always take care of them, but we wanted to do something special for you today, and so we hope it's been a great day for you. Well, today is Father's Day, and I figured that the best way for me to celebrate Father's Day is by inviting a special speaker in today, and you're going to be blessed. The best way I know to introduce him is he's one of us, of course, but also just because some of you don't know this, some of you do, you've been around long enough, you know, but some of you just don't have that kind of exposure to, uh, across the nation. Um, our speaker today happens to be what I believe is one of the premier speakers of his, of his generation. Uh, you may not know that in this house, although you've, you've experienced it, but you need to understand how he is perceived across the nation, one of the premier speakers, uh, camp meeting speakers, evangelists, the whole nine yards. And so I'm excited about that. But there's something better than that. As good of a preacher as he is, he's a better dad uh, and a better granddad. And so I thought the best way for us to celebrate, well, this is my gift to myself. Let's be honest, all right? This, I'm giving, I didn't care about y'all. I just wanted to give myself a gift. And so I've asked my dad, who is one of us, to come and speak this morning on this day. And so I want you to give a big Passion Church welcome to my dad, Bob Ely, as he comes to bring the word. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 9 to 10 says, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and, genera third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Psalm chapter 68, Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let them that hate him flee before him. Then he ch changes the whole tenor and tone of that psalm. And he says, sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Exalt him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, or literally Yah, from which we get Jehovah. And rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Matthew chapter 7, Oh, what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? That's repeated in Luke chapter 11. And there he says, If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? And he goes on and says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, 
And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son and he to whomsoever the Father will reveal him. John 10 and 30. I and my Father are one. John 14. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto my Father but by me. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient. It will suffice us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen my Father. Hebrews 1. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, listen, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his might, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Simple question. Who's your daddy? The scene is etched indelibly in my mind. That moment is stamped and engraved upon the recesses of my brain. And I see it. It's played back over and over and over like a video on repeat. It's a cold autumn morning. A nine-year-old boy is standing in the living room of a cramped, small, five-room rent house. He's washing his hands and his face from the water that's heating on that old gas stove that stands in the middle of the living room. He's preparing himself and waiting for the Nazarene church bus to come to take him to Sunday school and to church. He feels the tension that is in that room, but he doesn't understand why. And then it happens. His dad walks into the living room. He's a broad-built, dark-headed, stoic, silent-type man. He has penetrating dark eyes, but he hardly ever says a word. The boys never heard him say, I love you, son. The boys never seen him smile. The boys never felt the touch of his hand except only one time that he can remember in those nine years. And was that moment not of love but out of shock and, and somewhat anger. The boy had been standing next to his mother as she combed her hair at the old dresser in that small bedroom. And there were a pair of barber scissors lying on that dresser. And, and the little boy picked them up and in his curiosity began to play with them and ultimately, for some reason, took them and put them up against the lamp cord and snapped the lamp cord. And that stoic, 
aloof man slapped him across the face. Not so much in anger, but in shock. No words. The dad walks up and reaches into his pocket to pull out the weekly allowance. It's supposed to be a quarter. Places it in the boy's hand, but this time it's not a quarter, it's two quarters. Double allowance. He's never done that. And then the front door of that little house opens and he walks out. No goodbye. No explanation, no word, just gone. And then the hardships begin. The ugly word, welfare. You wouldn't probably understand that. The word commodities, I know you don't understand that. Menial tasks and jobs from a loving mother that did everything within her power to support that boy. Working in public when I was nine years old. Shining shoes at a barber shop. Delivering papers. Anything that could be done to put a few cents in the pocket. No dad. No one to watch me play ball. No one to get excited over my success in school. Absent. Abandoned. Just gone. Oh, there were people in my life, a, a, a coach who taught me how to play ball, and rejoiced in what I did, a teacher who tried to pour into my life, a boss who taught me responsibility and, and, and life lessons and how to treat others. And there were some. A mother who loved and cared. There was a Bible professor who poured the love of the Word of God into my heart. But no dad. All I could remember about dad was that he gave me something, two quarters. But it wasn't enough. He could give me a little, but it would never be sufficient. It would be almost, but never all together. And what I didn't realize was that I began to put that image of my earthly father and made it the image of my heavenly father. And I began to see God through the eyes and the vision of that earthly father that he was aloof, that he was unfeeling, that he was unconcerned. That in the crisis moments of life, he wouldn't be there. He would walk out the door. Oh, he would show up sometimes and, and give me something, but it would never quite be enough. There would always be a lack and a, an emptiness and a void. And I don't think that's just me. I'm convinced that others, many of you may be in this room, 
that see God the Father through the image of your earthly father. That's good if that image of your earthly father is good. Someone who is present, someone who is passionate about you, someone who is caring and loving and concerned about every area of your life, someone that gives you the right way to live, teaches you the responsibilities and the lessons of life. But if the image of your earthly father is one of abuse, misuse, absence, aloof, demanding, uncaring, maybe harsh or angry. Don't you remember what Jesus said to James and John? He nicknamed them Baranjazes, which means the sons of thunder. Was he trying to say that they were the sons of an angry dad? Maybe. And unfortunately, we take that image of our earthly father and make it the image of our heavenly father. And it's not just me. It's many others. One man said, my picture of God needed to be critically examined. There was a connection between my daily planner-driven life and my view of God. Yes, I did believe that I had to achieve to receive his affirmation. I did sense that God would withdraw his blessing if I did not measure up. I felt that I needed to earn God's grace Gradually, it dawned on me that I'd come to view God as somewhat as a passive spectator sitting in the balcony of my life whose applause would only come in response to a satisfactory performance. A dysfunctional picture of God I was discovering had expressed itself in a dysfunctional way of living. When distortions creep into our pictures of God, their negative effects reverberate throughout our lives. Consider some commonly held views of God together with their usual consequences. Those who view God as an impersonal force tend toward a cold and vague relationship with Him. Those who see God as a heavenly tyrant intent on hammering anyone who, who wanders outside His laws seldom abandon themselves with joy to the purposes of His kingdom. Those who imagine God to be a scrupulous bookkeeper Determined to maintain up-to-date accounts of every personal sin and shortcoming. Rarely acknowledge their inner contradictions and struggles in the presence of God. Those who regard God as a divine candy machine. Just say a prayer and you can get what you want. Inevitably wind up in disillusionment. In fact, there's a video called God Views. I have it if you ever want to see it. And what your comedian by the name of Conninger plays out the different images of God. He lists six different images of God. The first one is God is a sheriff. He's riding up to see if you're living right. And if you break the law, he's going to pull out his gun and blast you out of the water. And then there's that uh, butler God who just exists to serve you. Whatever you want, he's on beck and call just to answer your need. And then there's the party host God who all he cares about is you feeling good and having a good time. And there's, there's the mechanic God. He's the fixer. Now he's busy with everybody fixing them and sometimes he's a little short with you but ultimately he can fix you. And then there's the old man God. You know, the man upstairs, the old man upstairs. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Peanuts, the cartoon that you probably 
but that is a religious cartoon. It is spiritual. Schultz was a Church of God preacher, and he preached that cartoon. And if you know the symbolism, and you're just going to have to believe me, I don't have time to go into it all, but Santa Claus is the real God, not the great pumpkin. He's the false God. But Santa Claus is the real God. And Santa Claus brings presents, but to get presents, you have to be good. And Linus and Lucy are standing together just before Christmas holding hands, and Lucy says, this is my brother. We are brothers and sisters, and we love one another. And Charlie Brown says, you're a hypocrite. Do you think you can fool Santa Claus like that? And Lucy says, why not? We're a couple of sharp kids, and he's just an old man. And Charlie Brown goes out and leans his head against the kite-eating tree and says, I weep for our generation. Because so often what we discover is that we've developed the wrong concept of who God really is. That we put the wrong view of God upon God our Father. And so the question is simply, who is your daddy? What is your image of God? Well, we understand that God revealed himself to us in a multiplicity of ways. I mean, in the beginning, God revealed himself through creation. And if you behold the greatness of God in creation, David said that's enough to lead you to repentance. When you behold everything that God created in his might and his power, it ought to lead you to submission to his will and his purpose. And God spoke through direct communication. He, he directly communicated with people. He sent angelic beings to reveal the will of God. Ultimately, he gave the law. And the law was simply God's love letter. God says, I created you in my image. I know what will bless you. I know what will curse you. And I love you enough to tell you. And then he sent the prophets. God in sundry ways and divers manners at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past to our fathers by the prophets. And out of that Old Testament revelation, we get an image of God. And the first thing we learn about God is basically through his names. And you know what it says? God is great. You know what the name of God was? Elohim. The strong, the mighty, the powerful, the creator, the one that upholds all things by the power of his might. He brought it into existence and he sustains it with his own ability and his own power. He is great and powerful and mighty. He is Elohim. He is El, Elion. He is the creator God, the one that is great and mighty and powerful. But he's not only El and Elohim, he is El Shaddai. He is the strong, mighty one. He is the nurturer. He is the provider. He is the one that makes a promise. And he not only makes the promise, but he brings the provision. You can trust him. He's faithful. He's El Shaddai. You can dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. You know what the word really means? He is the strong, mighty, breasted one. That's a unique picture. And it's a picture of God that picks up the little baby and brings it to his own breast and pours in the nourishment and the sustenance of himself. At the same time, he is coddling and cooing and sustaining and ministering to that child. He's El Shaddai. God is great. But they couldn't say his name, so they put abbreviations, Jah or Yah. He is Awa. 
I come into his presence and I see his might and his creative power and all that he promises and all that he does. And I say, ah. And so instead of writing Jehovah, they wrote Adonai, which means he's the boss. He's the Lord. He's the master. He has authority. He's the redeemer. He's Adonai, my Lord, my boss. He's in control. God is great. But they didn't just learn that God was great. The names taught them that God was good. And so when he wanted them to know that he was good, he began to say, Jehovah, Yahweh, the self-existing one, the one that was and is and always will be. Amen. He revealed himself that way to Moses. Don't you remember? At the bush, Moses said, who are you? And he said, I'm great, but I'm good. I am that I am that I am. What I was, I am. What I am, I am. What I am, I always will be. Amen. Nothing can diminish me. Nothing can make me any less than what I am. For what I was, I am. And what I am, I will forevermore be. I am unchanging. I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. And so he came to reveal them through these compound names of Jehovah. And he said, you know who I am? I am Jehovah Sidkenu. I am your righteousness. I am Jehovah Makadesh. I am your purity, your sanctification, and your holiness. I am Jehovah Zabioth. I am the Lord of hosts. I'm the captain of heaven's armies. I'm the captain and the authority over hell's dominion. I am Jehovah Zabioth. I am the Lord of all. You know what he said? He said, I am Jehovah Shema. I am the Lord who is always present with you. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am the Lord who is your eternal peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then he said, I am Jehovah Reah, Arohi. I am the Lord who is your shepherd. You shall not want. I am Jehovah Rophi. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. And in all of these ways, he was showing them that God is not only good, great, but God is good. But God might be great and God may be good, but he can't. Father, patera, pater in the Latin, padre in the Spanish, in the English, one of authority, one of dominion, the originator, the one that protects and provides and brings provision and is passion. No, no. God is great. And God is good. But to be a father, there has to be intimacy and relationship. And how can I, in my fallen sinful state, have a relationship with a great and awesome and dreadful and fearful and jealous and mighty powerful God, even though he's good? I, he may be patre, the form. See, that's formal. That's father. Well, you guys know the difference. You know, in... In your house, when, when, when everything was a little tense, it was Father. But who God wanted you to know and them to know who he was, he's not just Patre Father, he is Abba. He's Daddy. That's the word that comes from the lips of the infant. 
That's the word that comes from a loving child as he comes to that authority figure like a father. But he's more than just powerful and a sustainer and a provider. He's my daddy. He loves me. He cares for me. He wants me to be in relationship with him. They never got it. Oh, there were glimpses, Adam and Eve. He's a provider and protector in the garden, and he talks to them, right? And Abraham, he's the friend of God. And Moses, he talks to him face to face, but Moses could only see the hinder part of God. And, and, and Isaiah said he's everlasting father, and David really got a glimpse of it. He said he's my shepherd, And David took the presence of God through the Ark of the Covenant out of the Old Testament tabernacle and put it in an open tent to where you could come into Jerusalem and enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. But then Solomon comes along and puts him back in the box and puts a four-inch thick linen veil. And we think that's because... Uh, uh, we we, we want to, we, we can't go in. No, that was not so we can't go in. That was so God that is great, mighty, dreadful, jealous, awesome, fearful, sustainer of everything, so he couldn't get out. And so that's where he was. They missed it. And so God had to do something. To let you see who he really is. And so when man had put the wrong head on God. God said I got to show him something different. And you know how he did it. And when the fullness of the time was come. God sent forth his son. Made of a woman. Made under the law. To redeem those that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption As sons. And if we are sons, then he has given us the spirit of his son in our heart that now cries, Abba, Father. And we are no longer servants and slaves, but we are sons. And if sons, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And his spirit comes into us and bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He begins to cry within us, not patre, but father, daddy, Abba, father. That was the whole purpose of Jesus coming to reveal to us who God really is. This great God, this good God is more than that. He is your heavenly father. And when Jesus came, he kept referring to him as my father. Oh, one time he said our father in prayer, but all the rest of the time it was my father. And so the Bible said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him there was not anything made which was made, but the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And the word moved into my neighborhood. And you know why? To show me who God really is. My father. Oh, Jesus said, don't you understand? When you see me, you've seen my father. 
For my father and I are one, not the same person, but one in substance, one in essence, one in heart, one in love, one in mercy, one in forgiveness, one in purpose. When you've seen me, you've seen what the father really is. For you know how the Bible described him? He is the brightness of his glory. You know what that is? That's the sun and the rays of the sun. The only way you understand what the sun is and what the substance of the sun is is because you feel the rays and you feel the heat. The heat is the very substance and essence of the sun. And Jesus is the brightness of the Father's glory. He shines out the revelation of who God really is. And not only, He's the expressed image of His person. You know how we would say that? He's a spitting image of His dad. That's what that means. He is stamped and engraved with who the Father is. And he said, look, Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't know who I am? You, don't, you want to see the Father? See me. No man knows the Father except the Son. And the one that the Son reveals him to, no man's ever seen God at any time. But the Son who comes from the bosom of the Father, who comes out of the heart of God, He has revealed Him and made Him known. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the alphabet of the Father. When God wanted to speak, He speaks through Jesus. And He tells you, I'm love and mercy and forgiveness and grace and supply. And so Jesus, when he came, said, You want to know who I am? I am. I that speak to thee, I'm he. Amen. What did he tell him on the boat? Be of good cheer. It is I. Do you know what that is? I am. <laughs> Don't be afraid. He said, I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. You can come to my Father through me. I'm the door that opens up to the presence of God. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life that's fallen from heaven. I'm the water that sustains. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is revealing who the Father really is. So that when you come to know Jesus, then you know the Father. I went for almost 20 some years seeing God as a nine-year-old boy. Aloof, alone, some, but never enough. Almost, but not altogether. Always in emptiness. Some of you are looking at me. You've seen God like that too through the eyes of your father. And so, <laughs> I had a dream. I most of mine are pizza-induced. <laughs> but not this one. And in my dream, I'm busy. Because I thought I always had to be busy for God. And I'm going about my duties and my son <laughs> was just a boy. And in that dream, he's tugging, trying to get me stopped long enough to listen to him because he needs something. Like always, it was money. <laughs> and he's reaching up to me. Dad, I, I, I need some money. And in the dream, I reached in my pocket and I pulled out two quarters. 
and placed them in his hand. And as he walked away, it was so real that it startled me awake. And when I'd fully come to my senses and knew it was just a dream, it was so real and I'm startled awake, God said, that's your problem. Because that's the way you've always seen me as giving something, but never enough. Something, almost, but never complete, and never altogether. And I want you to know a thousand times, no, that's not who I am. Because I've revealed myself to you through my son, Jesus Christ, and he is the spitting image of who I am. And he didn't say almost, he said all together. And I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. And I learned something. He is my great God, but he's my good God. And the Lord is my personal shepherd I shall not want. And, and nothing can shake me loose now. Nothing can defeat or divide or dominate me any longer because I've learned who God really is. He's my daddy. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm never alone because he's Jehovah Shammah. He's always right there. And I'm never over anxious because he's my peace that passes all understanding. And he's my righteousness. And I stand complete in him, saved by his grace. And he's my holiness and my purity and my sanctification. He's the Lord of my life. Oh, but he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. He sees it and he provides it. He's Jehovah Nissi. He lifts up a banner against my enemies and puts the enemies to fight. He is my Rayah, my shepherd. He is my Rophi, my healer. I've discovered that he's my personal daddy. Hallelujah. <laughs> And my relationship now is totally different. He's not aloof. He doesn't walk out the door without a word. He's right there with you. Oh, I, I, I close that. The, the best picture, I, I'd show you a video. It didn't work. I've got them. I'll, I'll be glad to share them with you. Some of those re revealing videos you'll ever watch about who God really is. <laughs> I was going to show you a nine-minute testimony. <laughs> but some of you, the best picture would be in Luke 15. You talk about lost sheep and lost coins. But then Jesus gets personal. And he talks about lost sons. Remember? And we concentrate on the prodigal son who demanded, dis disrespected his dad and, and demands his share of the inheritance to go into the far country and rebel. And spend it in righteous living. We talk about the elder son that stayed at home, received two-thirds of the inheritance. You, you know, the Bible says the father divided unto them his inheritance. He didn't just give the prodigal the third. He's the youngest son, so only gets a third under Jewish law. The elder brother, he gets two-thirds. He stayed at home. But the father divided the estate. It's already been divided. The younger son spent his. The rest belongs to the older boy. Amen. But what we concentrate is on the boy. No one wants to see the dad. Because there came a time that the younger son realized, I made a tragic mistake. And in the hog field of his own making, he says, 
in my, listen to that, in my father's house, even the servants fare better than I do. And I perish with hunger. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up out of this hog field and I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to go to daddy. And I'm going to say, daddy, I've sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a servant. He forgot about daddy. But you know what the father was doing? He was growing corn. And he was feeding the calf. Oh, hallelujah. And every day he'd walk out to see if he could see that wayward rebel boy. And one day he sees him. And the father cannot contain himself. Girds up his horns and runs to meet that boy. Oh, I'd have met him with a belt. But that's not who daddy is. He fell upon his neck and embraced him and loved him. And said, you were lost, but you're found dead, but you're alive. Robe on his shoulders, a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Go kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Some of you have rebelled. I got news for you. He's been feeding the calf, waiting for you to come home, throw a party. That's who your daddy is. And the older boy, he's a rebel in his attitude, not his actions. I, I, he wouldn't even go in and celebrate. He wouldn't even have a part in the party at all. He's on the outside griping and moaning. But listen, look who daddy, he comes out to where he is. And he says, dad, I've always been with you. I've never left you. And I've never at one time transgressed any of your, his image is God. His image is totally wrong. He's serving out of what duty requires instead of what devotion and love inspires. Listen to what the father comes out to him far as he went to the rebel. In action, he comes to the rebellious in attitude. And he said, son, don't you know you're ever with me? And listen, everything I have it's already yours. You said I wouldn't even give you a kid, much less a fatty kid. Everything I have is already yours. I'm your daddy. Is he yours? Great. Oh, I know he's great. He's good. I know he's good. But I've learned something more important. He's my father. He is a father to the fatherless, whether naturally or spiritually. And he loves you. And he wants you to come home. He just wants you to come to his table and have intimacy with him. I, I want you to stand and Listen to this song for just a minute, would you?
listen to these words. Come to the table right now. Some of you are standing here. You know God's great. You know God's good. But you've never experienced that he's your father. The Holy Spirit's not shouting Abba in your heart. You never entered into that intimate relationship with him. Young, old, lead, follow Hurt, forgiven, lost, it doesn't matter. The Father's running to meet you this morning. And he's inviting you to the table. He wants to embrace you with who he really is. And, and just for a moment, if, if you need that reassurance that he's your daddy, I want you to step out from where you are and come to the table. Would you do that? Would you just, Brother Bob... I've had the wrong image, but I know who my daddy is. Jesus has revealed the Father, and I need that deeper relationship with him. Would you, would you just step out for a moment and come to the front and let us pray with you? He's welcoming you to the table. He's bringing you to the table. He's embracing you with his love. He's, he's got it. He, he fed the calf to prepare it to welcome you to the table. Hallelujah. He grew the corn while you were in rebellion so he could make preparation for the time you'd come home. Your attitudes have been wrong, but he'll come out to where you are and embrace you. Say, don't you understand? You're always with me. And everything that I have is already yours. <laughs> I'm your father. I'm your dad, and I want you to share with what I have for you. You, you. you need that right now. You need that right now. I need a new revelation and a new image. I need to see him as he really is. Jesus is going to show you that. Would you come right now? The Holy Spirit's moving, and God wants to embrace you with his love. Come on, quickly, quickly. Holy Spirit's moving. Come on, come on. <laughs> come on, come on. Holy Spirit's here. He's trying to bear witness in your spirit. Abba. He wants to shout it out. Abba, 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 Abba. Father, Father, Father. No longer servants, but sons. And if sons, then heirs of God. The children of God. Sons and daughters. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He wants to embrace you at the table. Come to the table right now, would you? Amen. 
maybe maybe some of you just like to come up and join us for a little prayer for as I turn it back to pastor but these need need someone to pray with them come on let's let's obey the Holy Spirit it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more passion church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember you can't live without passion 